Welcome to your weekly Social Jack Influence Factory. Introducing your coaches, Dean Delisle, Kate Hassett, and Jackson Delisle. Hey, 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 how's everybody doing? Hello, good, how are you? Hello. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, good to have you on. Welcome to Summer in Chicago, officially. <laughs> I was waiting for this to happen. <laughs> I know, like sunshine, they have our roof deck open if you guys are following us on social media. Hey, Shirley Miller, she's uh, just checking in with us real quick here. So we have an exciting show today. We have somebody that... Uh, sort of is uh, synchronicitous with, is that a word, synchronicitous with what we do? I always make up words. Um, so uh, so anyway, but uh, he um, he's amazing with networking. But before we get to him, we are going to uh, go through a little bit of logistics and the stuff we normally do at the very beginning so everybody's uh, on the same page with us. And Kate and Jackson have some amazing news. Um, so uh, don't forget to play on social media with us, as some of you already have been. Uh, hashtag Influence Factory at Get Social Jack. So thank you so much for uh, playing along, right, Kate? Because the secret to social media is engagement. Exactly. All right. We do have some folks uh, in from all over the country, and it looks like all over the world. So I know Glenn's in from Canada, and we have people in from other parts of the world. So uh, welcome uh, from sunshiny Chicago here, everybody. Uh, don't forget to maximize your learning to maybe just take this little thing here, this distraction, and flip it over so that uh, if we do reference it, you know, pull it up. Or if you're tweeting, that's cool, live tweeting. Um, but close your email, take some notes, and we want to make sure you actually walk out of here with some next action items. So uh, to engage with us, remember you can switch from uh, computer audio to uh, phone call. So you can dial in, a lot of you dial in and listen to us while you're driving to your lunch appointments, which is super cool. And then also remember these things are shrink wrapped at the end and then they are turned into podcasts. And Jackson, what are those podcast channels that we are on? Uh, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google Play, iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, oh, wow. and you can watch the recording if you're not driving. It's our public service announcement for the day. If you are driving, do not watch the recording. Listen to it. That's why we put it on those channels. You can watch it on YouTube, or you can watch and listen to it straight from the Social Jack app. Uh, it is all the information in there, links to the news articles that you're going to see in a few minutes and all the information to connect with our guest today, David Fisher. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, real quick, remember, we always like to give away engagement prizes at the end uh, of today's program. So with that, um, you know, yesterday uh, hit 80 on our rooftop, which was super cool. And Kate actually got a little mini sunburn. Um, okay. So just from 45 minutes on the rooftop. So when it turns 80 degrees, wherever you're at in the world, um, what is your favorite thing to do when it's 80 degrees? What is your type that into the questions area now of the GoToWebinar taskbar? So what do you love to do? And this is part of your engagement so that uh, you can actually win. Uh, Shirley's uh, Sun at the Beach. Lori's uh, read, out, uh, read Outside. Roger is Tennis. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, Brendan is Golf. Kate, what about you? I like doing anything with my dog. 
you know, I feel like I, he gets neglected in the winter when it's too cold to walk him. So like yesterday we went for a walk. I like take him to the park or the beach or, you know, just for a ride in the car, whatever I can do to get him outside. It's fun for me too. Jackson, how about you? Uh, well, I'm going to be honest with you. Living in the Midwest, it really depends on the humidity level. So if it's super humid outside, I am inside binge watching, you know, doing <laughs> stuff like that. So I, it doesn't change from winter. That's yeah. But if it's nice out, if it's got a nice breeze, if it's not, if, I, if it's not too sticky, that's what I care about. There so, you go. There you go. Then I'll be outside we playing bags. We live in Indiana. That's like <laughs> it's, it's called corn, cornhole in other parts of the country. So yeah, yeah. we call it we call it cornhole in Georgia. <laughs> yeah, right. And then uh, Roger loves craft beer time. So I was going to say at Camp Delisle, those of you that follow me on Facebook know that um, you know we love the pool. We love to play uh, cornhole or bags, whatever you call it, and just like to hang out with friends and family and neighbors and all that cool stuff. And surely, um, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Shirley, Shirley loves when she pulls out her summer clothes and they still fit. So I'm sure everybody can relate. And Roger says adult beverages. Um, and then Ken is like, think baseball. I am such a fanatical Cubs fan, as everybody knows. So uh, I'm right there with you on that. And then uh, Jimmy Z put an amen, I think, to all of these. Um, oh, you know what I loved? I want to go back here. Lori says, climb trees and hippie stuff. I am so glad you said that. I, I like. I think we should all let our inner child out, except with the adult beverages, but uh, get, let our inner child out and just play. So I think it's to play, Jackson, even if it's inside with your, you know, air conditioned stuff too. But I don't know. I say get outside. Okay, let's uh, enough on that. I, we're only about two minutes over on that segment, so let's let's rock on. <laughs> Remember, Social Jack members, we always upload new stuff. We just uploaded some new programs. Uh, we just uploaded some other classes. Uh, Kate, uh, you did that workshop on influencer uh, marketing at SMSS. Did we get the slides up there in the resource center yet? Because I know um, you have some new worksheets and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't think they're up, but I'll get that to Jackson because I've updated it since I've presented it, of course. So Yeah. Okay, cool. Right on. So remember, just log in with your membership and uh, socialjack.com and you guys are ready to rock and roll. So uh, everything is getting updated every single week. And we have all kinds of cool new influencer forms, including contract samples, you know, sample contracts and all those cool things. So make sure you take advantage of that. Um, and discount codes. We have some workshops coming up. So we want to make sure you do that. The Alliance 2018 Summer Conference, we are a media sponsor. So make sure we... Um, are rocking and rolling and uh, we'll hopefully see you there if you're in that space. And uh, now <clears throat> we have some news that we're going to uh, jump into. So let's just switch over to news. So, um, so we have the state of B2B content marketing, six things every brand needs to know, which is a little different because some of us are B2E, B2C, but uh, so what do you guys got for us in store here today with this article? Yeah, so before anybody says, you know, I'm not B2B, I think this is a really great infographic to take a look at because I think it gives you a lot of uh, a lot of tells on how to pick a B2B marketing company. A lot of you work with a B2B marketing company, so if they're not doing these things and it's not evident, you probably don't want to work with them. So just keep that in mind if you're saying I'm not business to business, right? <laughs> um, so it's just some interesting things. And of course, the link was with you. If you can't see the infographic, it'll be in the follow-up email. 
But a couple interesting things is that 87% um, of B2B marketing companies are using content marketing. So that's huge right now. We're seeing it everywhere. Content is what is driving the really human interactions, bringing the social back to social media and yep. B2B companies are jumping on the train. So blog posts, infographics, things like that, that we see happening and they use that primarily to generate leads. So that's really, really big in all social media right now, especially B2B marketing. Um, one thing I found really familiar or really interesting out of this article is that 72% uh, of all B2B firms say that they have a documented content marketing strategy. Yeah. So that's about a fourth of B2B marketing companies saying that they haven't been marketing themselves in a documented way. So that's really interesting. They're actually behind, you know, B2C companies in developing a marketing strategy. So all of a sudden they're developing this content for you and they haven't been doing it for themselves. So I find that really interesting because, you know, at Social Jack, we produce so much content all the time to use on social. And it's kind of like B2B is catching up. So really, really interesting um, from this article, you should definitely check it out. Also, um, I thought that was interesting from it is that everyone is still using constant contact, which yeah. I know we used to right. use emails. And I hear a lot of experts say, you know, MailChimp's better, constant contact's out, but 62% uh, of uh, B2B marketing companies still using it. So I think I, it's. <clears throat> yeah, and I liked uh, this about, you know, a lot of us are in uh, and wanting to generate leads. Um, so, you know, it says 66% um, uh, of marketers say content downloads. It's like what types of off offline offers that generate a significant number of B2B leads? Demos are at 37%. Webinar registrations, we love, 45%. Um, <laughs> free trials, 22 And then polls and surveys at 26%. So there's some good data in here. So we're going to send this out to everybody. So just make sure you take a look at it and apply it to whatever kind of marketing that you're going to do. Also, remember, we're going to uh, automatically register. Um, well, let's see. Let's just take a poll here real quick. I don't think we have this in our polling question. Um, but if you guys can just type in, we have a, um, many of you are signed up next Thursday. We're having a webcast uh, that's sponsored by one of our clients. And it's on, um, uh, it's on uh, actually generating leads on LinkedIn. We're going to show all the new features. It's free. Um, we also, uh, the client is going to be giving out five business leads. So if you're a consultant or somebody that advises businesses, um, this is a webinar that you want to be on. Uh, Shirley's already excited for it, she says. So uh, just type in, um, just type in if you don't want to go, and then we're going to assume that you do want to go. So, uh, so all of you will be registered for that. So Jackson, please make a note of that. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Uh, next article is uh, on Forbes. Here is five influencer marketing myths that could ruin your campaign. Tell me about this. So I thought this one was really interesting because you hear a lot of people talking about influencer marketing, and they're always like, "Well." I can't afford a uh, celebrity influencer. You know, I can't afford someone to influence my company. And that's not the always the case. The case is in the majority of the time for smaller businesses getting micro influencers and people are like micro influencers. Oh, what's that? It's 
it's the coolest thing, honestly. So it's anyone who has uh, the majority of articles that I've read and researched will define a micro influencer as anywhere. This one devi defines it as 10,000 to 100,000 followers on any certain platform. Now, there's been other ones that say it could be as small as 1,000. And the reason that they really talk about this and they really push micro influencers is that micro influencers have a more focused connection, a more focused group of followers, first of all, that are more likely to share connection and share interests with the influencer. So while these celebrity influencers are great with their, you know, 200 million followers, they don't necessarily have that you know, special shared interest connection with each and each and every uh, follower where right. the people that are following these micro influencers are usually sharing more common interests with this person. And they're easier to uh, create engagement that is more likely to lead to sales and uh, overall just, you know, ROI on this, you know, on investing in an influencer. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think that's critical. And Kate, you covered that in your workshop um, about with micro influencers, the B2B. And, and remember, all of you are influencers that are on with us. So that's why we want you to continue to build your following and your influence. It's going to help you generate sales, get hired, get promoted, all the cool things that come along with that. But what's interesting is uh, we are measuring these influencers all the time. And one of the critical mass components is that people are literally in a better relationship with their audience. And if that audience matches what the company objective is, you're going to get, you know, hired for your influence. So uh, that's a, that's a critical, critical piece in itself. So uh, yeah, I stuff. love that. Actually, I just wanted to share from my workshop, someone in the room shared a story with me about how they were trying to work with a micro influencer that actually kind of turned them down because who they thought their reach was, wasn't what lined up with the company brand. So it just really shows how you can target who you want to talk to. So I love that. I love influencer marketing. Thanks for sharing this, Jackson. Yeah, for sure. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So as we get into this week's lesson, I'm going to launch a poll here. Um, and I'm actually going to be the one that contacts you. So be careful if you click this button. Because um, you know I'm a coach. I'm just going to coach the heck out of you. But always to success. Um, so if you want to grow your influence and you want to know a little bit more, uh, please click on the one that is most appropriate for you. And don't worry, we can talk about multiple things. Uh, Shirley always says, I want to click on them all. So uh, just make sure that you click on one that is most appropriate and I will contact you. So there's a polling question on your screen right now. So make sure you click on the one that's most appropriate. And uh, just in case nobody else can see it, um, but type in your phone number when we get back to the questions area. So <clears throat> this week's lesson before we get to uh, David, and David's going to actually help out uh, uh, when I bring him on. But um, we talk about personal branding 101, but we also talk about social selling. And social selling is all about relationships. And so integrating offline and online activity to build relationships is a lot of what David's going to talk about. So one of the biggest uh, things. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and close this out. And if you'd like me to call you, uh, just please type in your phone number uh, in the questions area. And only we can see that. So it's not going to the interwebs. 
So uh, this chart that uh, one of our team members put together really has to do with influencer marketing, social media. And I think it really tells a story. And in David's books, uh, he actually uh, covers this in terms of how uh, connecting, networking, really taking things to that um, next level of relationship and using digital to do that has actually uh, sort of fast-tracked the sales cycle. Now, it doesn't mean that if somebody is not uh, ready to buy, you know, they're not going to buy. There's not, you know, sometimes there's nothing you can push them into unless you have stats and data that says their competition is kicking their butt. But that's old-fashioned sales. What I'm talking about is the fact that you being present when decisions are being made, even when you're physically not there. And this is where social media and the fact that you're an influence in your market really takes hold and sort of helps flip some of that around. So um, so anyway, uh, I just thought this chart would be helpful. Some of you have seen it in class if, if you've been through our classes. Uh, but what I want to do uh, next is I want to bring our um, I want to bring our guest on uh, David Fisher. He's a speaker, writer, podcaster, business coach, author of seven books, um, mostly related to hyperconnected something and networking in the 21st century. So super cool. And then he hosts uh, the Beer Beats and Business podcast. Uh, started Rockstar Consulting 12 years ago. And he's pretty good salsa and swing dancer, uh, although we're not going to ask him to do that on today's program. But uh, David, come on, uh, come on in, and we uh, are excited to have you on today. What is up? How you doing, Dean? What's happening, man? Oh, many, many things, many things. Excited to be here. Yeah, thanks. Excited to have you. I haven't, I haven't seen you since we, uh, since we danced at DePaul together. We did that whole uh, mentor <laughs> workshop thing, which I thought was pretty cool. That was a, a yeah. cool. Yeah. No, that was that was great. I, I, I was excited to see some new founders uh, kind of cutting their teeth, and it was there's some really cool things, and it was good to be able to give them give them some gentle but firm feedback on what they needed to improve. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Um, so, uh, so you've got a lot going on, you know, I'm going to, uh, just, uh, we usually don't jump, jump into this, but I'm going to, I'm going to jump into your, uh, into your website because uh, cool. it's David, uh, JP Fisher, because of course there's a lot of David Fishers out there. So you want the there David are. JP Fisher, F I S H E R.com, but you have a bookstore here. So, um, I, I, of course I'm partial, but my favorite is the LinkedIn book. <laughs> right. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, so you heard us talking a little bit about social selling and building influence. And <clears throat> one of the um, one of the big things about building influence is, I think, the way that you approach your network. So how did you start like from give us a little bit of your story of how you got to this point of having seven books? I think a lot of people are like, I want to get to that point, but they sort of can't can't figure it out. You know, Absolutely. so can you help us take us through that story? Well, there, there's, there's a gr great quote that I, I don't remember the source, but it's uh, everybody wants to be the noun, but nobody wants to do the verb, right? Um, I actually got my start when I started uh, Rockstar uh, over 12 years ago. Um, unlike many people who go into starting a business with a plan very strategically, uh, yeah, I just was like, um, I I'm going to start this business. And within, I was looking for a job. I was like, screw that. I'm going to go out on my own. And so kind of had to hit the ground running. And uh, I actually got started very old school way with literally just going out to every event that I could, a lot of Chamber of Commerce stuff, a, a lot of just local networking events. 
meeting as many people as possible, but then saying, hey, can I grab a cup of coffee with you? And that was really the start of my networking journey um, that I've been on since then. And uh, I really think that that old school piece was really foundational into be, being able to have a system where I could put all the digital and all the fancy tools that we have now. I mean, 12 years ago, there was no Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, anything like that. Um, so, you know, I, I started out primarily as a business coach, really doing one-on-one -on -one work and slowly and steadily, you know, increased doing sales training. Uh, was an early LinkedIn adopter, uh, started doing training on that. But it was all about how can I actually connect with people? How can I, uh, I was doing content marketing before I knew that was a thing, right? How can <laughs> right. I write articles? Uh, you know, I was an early constant contact user. Uh, I am on MailChimp now. Do you, but, do you uh, remember uh, e-zine articles? Oh, gosh, yes. I actually you still do that? I mean, somebody was just saying, they go, it's still a thing. And I go, I I remembered I reached some status that they had. And I just, it was almost oh, like yeah. a, an infectious thing. It was like, you're a master e-zineologist or whatever the heck it was. And I was like, all right. But it was good for search. Absolutely. They, they were one of the first... Uh, platforms that really gamify things. I remember all those badges and stuff. Uh, and yes, I still get my email once a month with my statistics from all the articles I posted years ago. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was an early form of content marketing. You said it was great for search. And you know, I've really kind of just built my, uh, my practice up uh, from that point 12 years ago. Um, did, a, did a lot of work uh, on LinkedIn, you know, using, um, digital platforms for social selling was kind of teaching again, social selling before that was even a term. Um, and just uh, about four years ago, started writing books and, you know, I've been writing uh, articles uh, almost every day doing a little work. And I was like, Hey, you know, if I can write a, a 500 word article, uh, a book is just 80 of those put together. <laughs> so uh, why can't I just do that? And uh, that that's been the trick ever since. And so, uh, actually working on book number eight and nine right now. Wow. So, are you going to, are you going to hold with this? Are you going to hold with the same theme? Cause one thing we were very impressed is it's almost like you did the uh, chicken soup for networking here. Absolutely. Right yeah. Well, we had the, uh, the networking Skittles as, uh, <laughs> my friend calls it. we got every color and flavor. Uh, you know, I'm, there's actually one or two more of those that I'm going to bring out, but it was good to then go and look at Kind of bringing networking into the sales and the digital communication, digital influence arena. Uh, I actually have a book of haiku coming out because I want to do something totally <laughs> different. And then uh, my next book is actually a, a personal development, professional development book about um, ongoing incremental change. So I got to branch out a little bit, but my heart's always going to be in the, uh, the networking and sales world. So I'm sure we'll come back to it at some point. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we have uh, folks that are on with us, please. This is, you know, when you get the live program like this, uh, instead of the podcast, you actually get to ask questions. So make sure you get them in the queue. Please. Um, the, the interesting one I thought was for millennials. So where did this, where did this idea come from? I mean, just networking for millennials. Well, one of the biggest things that we have seen with this evolution of digital communication is, um, an evolution of how we interact. The reality is though, nobody knows how all of this is going to shake out. Uh, I still think that we're in the midst of a probably 30 to 40 year evolution. Um, and we're going to kind of see like what happens, but unfortunately we can only see in hindsight. What I, I found was that millennials have 
and I, I think that term is maybe overused now. Let's just call them digital natives or the younger cohort. They have a fantastic um, comfort level and ability to use digital communication. You know, right. they're very comfortable with their phone. Um, they they get the ability and they actually even expect the ability to reach out to anybody um, to not have the hierarchy and the, the gatekeepers of the past. And that's an amazing thing. But the two challenges they've run into is they haven't had as many opportunities to actually practice face-to-face -face interaction, which, which is a skill and it takes practice. Um, and they don't necessarily have as much uh, business experience, just acumen, which comes from being in the world, having conversations, making mistakes, learning from those mistakes, hopefully eventually. And so I really wanted to hopefully provide a bit of a, a roadmap to say, hey, you've got a lot of great things going for you, but here's some areas that you might need to look at improving um, so that you can really take advantage of your uh, capacity and your familiarity with digital communication. Yeah, that's. It, I'm glad you said that. I, I sort of have a question. This is more of a personal one for me. So um, I've, I found myself um, changing over the years as I mature, as we call it, right? I don't know if I'm fully <laughs> hey, matured. Hey, I, I get older, but you can't force me to grow up, okay? Yeah, right. I know. I was going to say my wife still says I act like a 12-year-old, so, <laughs> um, which is uh, cool. Um, so, the, uh, so the idea is... You know, I get invited all the time and, you know, as part of these conferences, it's like a mega event where there's like a minimum of 200 people. And then, mm -hmm. you know, there's smaller, more intimate events. What's your what's your favorite? You know, that's a really good question. I, I actually think the way you network depends on what you're looking for and where you're at in your career. Um, early on, I loved the big mega events. I loved uh, meeting a lot of people. I look at those kind of like singles bars. Right, right. Where, I know. I was. That was exactly where I was going to go. <laughs> and and you know what? There's a time and a place uh, for right. that. And and just like you know, we're here in Chicago. There's a lot of great networking organizations that will throw these huge events, tons of people. It's a great place to pass out business cards, get some business cards, make that that introduction. But that's not networking. That right. is simply opening up a relationship. Um, and as I've kind of matured in my my network. Um, I do prefer the smaller ones. To be very straightforward, I personally go to very few like events yeah. uh, anymore because I have such a, a large network. I, on the other hand, have between three and seven uh, networking, whether it's a, over coffee or a beer or lunch or just on the phone if they're not local. I'll have three to seven individual one-on-one -on -one conversations because that's really where you build relationships, find opportunities, and then can you know leverage them. But again, that's it takes a while to get there. I wouldn't tell a 23-year-old to start doing that. I would say go right. build big and then start <clears throat> to build relationships from there. So, you know, you, me you mentioned something interesting with the millennials. And I think, um, uh, you know, all of us have uh, a little millennial within, you know, in, in a sense that um, – <clears throat> you know, you get into these rooms and it could be a medium, you know, when you go to network, there's almost like a social awkwardness that happens within most of us. You know, even if sure. you're very extroverted, you know, there's, there's still this part that's like, uh, you know, where there's, it almost feels forced, you know, like mm -hmm. you're forcing yourself. And I don't know if I'm speaking for everybody in the audience here. I've been networking forever. But uh, so how do you coach people when you're like, this is the approach that I want you to take when you go into this room or you just sort of yeah. help us out with that. So, yeah, it's, that's a, a very common question. I was just uh, speaking 
to a group last week and somebody came up to me and asked me this exact question. Very common. Um, starting human uh, interactions and, and relationships is challenging. It's, it's the first day of school effect, right? You know, we were always nervous. Are people going to like me? Um, right. You know, are, am I going to make friends? There's actually something about the psychology of human beings, our ego. I mean, this is this is something that could be damaging to it. It doesn't realize that there's really no danger, right? <laughs> in this, you know, in this uh, restaurant at the end of the day, nobody's going to attack you. But right. We're very afraid, but we are. But we still have a lot of those um, uh, reactions that we developed when we were very young, and we were trying to really kind of feel our way out uh, in human interactions. What I tell people is this. Um, the, the goal is not to be interesting. The goal is to be interested. Yes. Um, I always go back to this uh, great quote by Dale Carnegie, one of my favorites. You can make more friends in two months getting other people interested in you. Oh, I'm sorry, being interested in other people <laughs> right. than you can getting people interested in you. Um, the easiest way that uh, I think to go into those rooms is just to accept, hey, I'm going to feel a little awkward. It's going to be a little strange, but everybody in that room wants to make a connection. That's why they're there. So all I have to do is walk up, say, hello, my name is, and human reciprocity means that that person is oh, yeah. probably going to respond with their name and then ask them a question. It's something open-ended. Hey, what brings you here? How are you liking the events? You know, if you're at a party, how do you know so-and-so? And then just from there, you you keep the conversation going and just ask them questions. I mean, I, I teach a technique called the next question, which is opening, asking an open-ended question, getting their response. And then our natural reaction is to then supply our answer, but instead stopping that and going, okay, let me ask a question based on their answer. Right. Right. And and just keep that you'd be surprised at how easy a conversation gets. And there's yeah. nothing to be afraid of. Yeah, and I, and I I'm I am always so fascinated to hear people's story like yours. You know, I'm just like I want to know how people got to this moment of this conversation with me. You know, and that's the main reason right. I started this is I'm like everybody has a story that I think it needs to be told. You know, and 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 too many people don't do it. So Lori says, and it works for dating too. So I've got to tell this story. It's like bubbling on my lips here. So. So my dad, when I'm in high school, it must have been middle school, and I am so nervous about calling this girl. Now, this is back now to date myself when I had to either use the phone in the kitchen or my parents' bedroom. We only had right, two phones, right. and you were you were hooked to the wall. There was no like – so he's like – and I'm like, what do I do? You know, and I got to talk. I got to call this girl. I remember her name was Jill, and he's like, write down the top 10 things that you want to know about her. You know, that, you know, things that you want to know. So it's like what you just said. And so I'm just laughing because Lori's like, it works for dating too. And it, it was like, from that moment forward, I was like, I was like the king of say, you know, phone calls with girls in middle school, high school. And, it was, and people were like, wow, I love talking to you on the phone. But it was like that, that I was scared to death until yep. I, and I literally had an index card, a three by five index card where I wrote nice. down the questions and I always had a place to go and then it became natural. But who would have yeah. thought <laughs> it's, it's the same started thing. there? Yeah. Yep. Before um, I met my wife, I went on a lot of first dates and you know what? I always, always made it about them. Everybody had a good time. They obviously didn't go anywhere except for the one first date that did. And that's all that matters. So uh, amen, ask, amen. ask questions for sure. Hey, did, did you hear, I want to get your opinion on this. Did you hear a Facebook announced that they're going to have an official 
dating portion to their website. Yeah, great. <laughs> What's your thought? Uh, we don't have, a, I think, a long enough time for me to, to, to dive into that. <laughs> um, so here, here's the, the thing. You know, online dating is prevalent. Facebook wants to get our money um, and our data. I, I'm, I'm actually, as much as I'm, I do this for a living, I'm a fan of digital communication, social media, social platforms. Um, I think there's a really important conversation that we have to have that we haven't as a society, as individuals about what we give up and what we get. In the, I mean, there's good and bad to everything. We've right. just acknowledged, we have not acknowledged, I think, some of the downsides. Um, and here's what I will say about any platform, Match.com, Facebook, Tinder, whatever it is. When you look at mere, uh, uh, merging the online and offline, both have a place. Um, you know, I think it's great that, you know, hey, if I can use Facebook to meet a, a potential partner that I wouldn't normally, that's fantastic. Right. But you're still going to have to have a date with them. <laughs> you're right. still going to have to meet up with them. Well, that's in, the thing. In the real world, world, you know. So, um, so let's get back on the professional side. I just heard that today <laughs> and I was like, I gotta, I gotta ask him what he thinks about this. So let's just say um, I'm glad I'm married right now. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. don't have to worry about that. Same here. So, so one of the big themes, we were at this social media strategy summit last mm -hmm. week and there's a lot of great topics and speakers there. One of the big themes was that people are, it's more important on social media and there's a huge value that you had in your book about just be with the person that you're with. You know what I mean? Be present with that person. Yeah. So, so what are some tricks? Because I'm the ultimate uh, poster child for, let's call it ADHD, not medically diagnosed, but I know my attention sure. span is I'm thinking about, oh my gosh, this client deadline while I'm talking to a person. So what are some tips or tricks to, to really make sure you're staying with that person? Yeah. Understand that a lack of attention or problems with our attention span did not show up because of digital media, uh, but digital media has definitely exacerbated it. Yeah. I, I think it's uh, really stems, first of all, just a, an awareness uh, of the things that could pull your attention. Um, if you are meeting in, in the offline world with someone, a big thing, put your dang phone away. Um, it's, it, you just don't need it. it. When you really realize how much of your attention is being sapped, sometimes just by having it out. One thing I tell people all the time, um, I actually do practice this myself, whether it's your phone or whether you're sitting at your computer, turn off all notifications. Like just there's no reason a social media platform should be able to interrupt your thought process or your day, especially when you're then interacting with a person. Yeah, uh, and we've all had that happen when we're, we are talking on the phone with somebody, for example, and, uh, you know, a notification pops up or even just a text comes in. All of a sudden you're reading that text and you're like, oh, crap, what, what was the last 10 seconds of this conversation? Uh, so I think you ha have to be very intentional about what you allow into your um, in, into your your view on into your um, attention. That's for everything, but definitely when you're taking some time to actually interact with another person. Like, so you're having a cup of coffee with somebody, you are on the phone, put anything that's going to distract you aside. Don't yeah. look at your computer while you're on the phone. Um, you know, if you're on a video call, 
minimize everything else. I mean, th these are not super fancy tricks, right? But right. they work, right? Oh yeah, for sure. And and I think that that we 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 all hope that there's some magic um, secret that will help us be focused on the person that we're talking to. But the reality is it's just not easy. That's why the people who are good at it stand out in our minds. You know people like this, I do, who we love being with them because we know they're gonna pay attention to us. Yeah, and Jimmy, so, Z, Jimmy Z just, yeah, Jimmy Z just, um, uh, <laughs> Jimmy Z just checked in and said he had to disconnect his Apple Watch because he caught himself constantly with the wearable thing. And I, yep. you know, I think that's another epidemic too. Absolutely. You know, and here's the thing. I love technology. Uh, there's some amazing things that it allows us to do. My biggest thing, and this is something that uh, I wrote about in, in Hyperconnected Selling and something I talk about a lot right now, is technology is simply a tool. It needs to be used within a context of our goals and of our, our larger purpose. So, for example, in, in the sales world, I work with a lot of sales teams using tools to allow us to have a better conversation with a prospect with a customer is fantastic. But we always have to remember it's simply a tool. You know, you can have right. the best AI that says so-and-so is going to probably be ready to purchase, reach out to them. That's great, but you still have to engage, interact on a human level with them. So right. everything should be put in its proper place, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we have a couple of uh, questions coming in. So uh, nice. are, you, are you from Boston? I, I am not. <laughs> Should I be? Don't, I don't know. Somebody just said, hey, is he? I, said, I don't know. I got to ask him that. Uh, Although but, I have my background is Irish, so I'm sure I well, look there you like go. Yeah, Boston. Right. right. Yes, exactly. Um, what's your favorite social media and why? Social media platform. Yeah. Um, for me, it's LinkedIn. Um, I'm, I'm a big proponent of picking one or two platforms, especially when we're talking about a professional uh, focus, pick one or two platforms where the people that you want to interact with are, and really spending your time and energy there. I am not, I just don't think most of us, unless we have teams behind us can be on seven platforms. Well, yeah. um, so I think it's really valuable to pick one or two based on what I do. LinkedIn is the easy choice. I, I'm doing a lot of professional relationship building. Um, there's a lot of cool capabilities there. I love it as a way to share my professional story, to share content. It allows me and a lot of people to be influencers to our, our tribe. Um, I also like Twitter, um, ironically, because it's not the most popular right now, right. but it lets me connect with some very specific people that I wouldn't normally get a chance to connect with and have conversations with them. So those are my two favorite. But again, I, I think there's there's um, pluses and minuses to all of them, as long as it fits with what your goals are, right? So be intentional where you spend your time. Yeah, I think um, I like Twitter too because uh, I don't know. I just think um, it's such a way for myself and my colleagues, especially in social media. We just find a good way to connect on there, you know. And yeah. so it just it, you know, we direct message. It just seems to be mm -hmm. a a place outside the inbox. You know? Yep, that's exactly right. Um, so, uh, so let's just talk about sales for a brief minute. So how do you apply, you know, when you're, when you're talking about social selling and networking, mm -hmm. what is sort of a couple key tactics that you like to coach people on? 
Sure. So we'll, we'll take all of sales and boil it down to three things. No, I'm just kidding. Well, no, but three, maybe three cool things, you know? Yeah. Here's, here's the, the big thing. And this is what I talk about in hyper-connected selling. And I think it's really important for all of us to understand. Sales used to be us going out and trying to convince people to buy from us because they didn't know anything about what we had. They didn't know they needed it. And so we interrupted their day and said, hey, please buy from me. Um, that doesn't work anymore because now uh, information is available to our buyers whenever they want, as much as they want, right? They have control. And so, we're, I mean, think about how, you know, you choose to buy stuff in your own personal life, right? You can look, go online, you pull out your phone, read reviews. You can do a lot of the buying journey on your own. So what I suggest to people is that instead of trying to be a gate crasher and try to like get people's attention, it's something very, I mean, there's a lot of synchronicity to what we talk about, right? And for me, it's like, how do you find a way to have influence on the people, in this case, prospects and customers that you want to uh, before they ever need uh, your product or service? And I really think that's where, where we tie in networking and relationship building and social media and selling where it's, uh, I call it being a sales Sherpa. Yeah, I like getting that. Into, getting into their network, starting a relationship and, and saying, hey, I'm not going to try to sell you today, um, but you know, I want to be able to connect with you. And then giving them good content, giving them information, giving them insights about the information they already have. Um, for example, if you're selling real estate, it's not about sending listings out. I see this on social media all the time. Here's a bunch of listings I have. I can find listings anytime I want. That's what Zillow is for. <laughs> right, right. But instead, if you, you know, uh, reach out and say, hey, here's some market trends. Here's what might be happening with mortgage rates. Here's, you know, things to look at when you're buying a house. And you're sh sharing those kinds of insights. I might not be buying a house right now, but maybe in six months when I am looking or a year, you're going to be the person that I think of and that I reach out to. And, that, and so that's where I think, sales really is evolving. It's being a human, starting that interaction, that engagement with someone, and then positioning yourself as somebody who can help that person make a better, more effective, more efficient decision. So that yeah. when they are ready to make that decision, you're the person that they reach out to. So that, in a nutshell, that's where I think sales is going. Because if all you're doing is selling something that is transactional, technology can do it better, and, they, and it will. Right. And... Um, and that's order taking anyway. So, yeah. you know, it's like it's exactly uh, right. Yeah. Um, how do you, uh, you know, so, so are you, uh, are you somebody that, uh, you know, when you hear sales managers go, you know, well, make sure you get your dials in and your dial time and things like that. What's your, what's your reactive to, you know, sort of dialing versus clicking versus, you know, right. Uh, yeah, you want, you want me to th throw down in the, the cold calling versus social set? Yep. Here's what, here's what I say. Everything has its appropriate place in the process. Um, I am not, I'll be very straightforward and say that cold calling in general is uh, not very efficient. Right. You can still get something from it for sure. But if, and it depends on your definition. Like if you're just calling through a list of people, that's a waste of time. Don't do it. There's no need for it anymore. Right. But if you're doing some research and you're realizing, hey, there's a list of 10, 20, 30 people that are buyers and organizations that I can help. Um, 
you know, I, I have a true value that I could bring. Yeah, I think reaching out to somebody by phone and, and emailing and starting that relationship somehow, there, there's a need for that. But yeah, just the, this idea of um, more, more, more um, yeah. isn't, isn't the solution. But conversely, it's not, if you're just trying to hide behind your computer, that doesn't work either, right? Yeah, right, for sure. I mean, sure. I, I sell, you sell. Uh, and I know that uh, for me, and I'm sure for you, there's there's a lot we can do at, at six in the morning when we're emailing people and connecting uh, through social. And then there's just times where, I, you know, I pick up the phone and, try, you know, leave a voicemail or sometimes, sometimes they pick up and uh, I'm able to start that conversation. So it all depends, right? Yeah, yeah. So I've seen this pattern. I, I talk about this a, a lot. I'd like to get your sort of take on it. Um, I talk about what I call preferential communication. I just sort of made up this thing, but it was like, I started, I I started tracking um, how people respond. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, so even, even when we're getting uh, people like yourself on the show and things like that, some people are better at, at, you know, uh, picking up the phone and calling them. Some people are better at texting. Some people respond on LinkedIn. Some people respond on email, some on Twitter. It's, it's just crazy. All these different mechanisms by which, and, and from social selling, we teach that as a tactic, but what about just being in relationship? What do you, what do you, you know, what's your take on, on that? Yeah. I mean, we are in a very fragmented, uh, place right now, as far as our communication tools, I think for relationship building, uh, it really depends on what the other person wants and um, w- the way they're going to respond. Um, you know, like I, I'm still a huge fan of email because no matter what, everybody has that, right? Not everybody goes to the other platforms consistently, but they they check their inbox. Um, so I, I I think it's it's important that you know, and sometimes you can just it's you can even ask you know one of your connections, hey. Do you spend a lot of time on LinkedIn or is it easier just to email you? Um, you know, there's people who like text. For example, don't text me. I, I don't enjoy texting. I don't communicate that way. But I know people, that's all they do, right? So what we have to remember is that communication really isn't about us. It's about them and what they're going to respond to. Um, yeah. So if you really want to, you know, start these relationships, one of the things is you're going to have to kind of juggle um, all these different platforms because if that's what they want, that's what they want. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Julie wants to know, do you work with specific industries? Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately everybody needs networking and sales help. I wish that, uh, there were were big groups that didn't need it. Um, because then we'd be in an awesome place. Uh, I do work a lot with outside, uh, sales forces, especially independent outside sales forces. So think about, financial planners, real estate agents, mortgage brokers, um, insurance agents, but uh, have also done a lot in the technology uh, space. Um, you know, big tech companies and, and smaller, more nimble SaaS companies. Right. Uh, and, and I do a lot with entrepreneurs, you know, so it's there. It's, it's kind of a, a fun gamut. I, I keep trying to, to narrow my niche uh, and then I get pulled into like all these other opportunities because Again, the human human to human ah, excuse me, the human to human interactions really uh, span all industries and all needs. So uh, as long as people need what i'm I'm doing, i'll I'll work with them. yeah, i'm I'm with you on that. Our social selling course because of one of our clients, all of a sudden, I'm in um, 
not just healthcare, but women's healthcare, which there's a whole science behind that. And uh, yep. transportation and from locomotives to aerospace and power, oil and gas, which I never in this lifetime thought I would be helping people in those areas. So, you know, I've always been a B2B service guy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I've always been a, a B2B, uh, you know, sort of somebody that's a service, a business advisor. That's always been my audience. So. Absolutely. Um, we have a question coming in here. Would you recommend as a person starting out uh, to appeal to all or to narrow it down to what you know uh, or who you know that are, are interested in you? Yeah. So um, I'm assuming as far the question is uh, as far as building up your network, building up your connections. Right. I, I think the more you can be specific, the better. Um, as you know, Dean and I just gave a great example of the, the cobbler's kids having no shoes um, where we probably don't always take the advice we give, which is the more specific you are, the more uh, somebody else can engage and, and relate to you. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I am not a, a person who gets on board the idea of just connecting with everybody and having, you know, uh, as broad a network as possible. There's there's always a balance. We we saw that article at the top of the hour talking about micro influencers. I, I actually think that we can be micro influencers to our own network and really only have yeah. sometimes a couple hundred people that we're connected to, and that's fine. It really comes down to um, making sure that you actually have ties with the people who are in your network that you can leverage. Um, I mean, because you can't just you could say technically, oh, I've got a phone book and I know everybody in here. That doesn't help you. Um, right. It's it's can I reach out to this person? Can I have a conversation? Can they ask me for something? Can I ask them them for something? That's where you want to get to. Yeah, I I agree, and uh, and I like that. Um, <clears throat> so when we're working with micro influencers, we're helping them build a, a very targeted network. Mm -hmm. But yep. we, you know, and I and I read this in in one of your books. It's like even if you're talking on social media, pretend like you're talking to a person, not a machine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and Hey, I hope everybody on uh, watching has, you know, a hundred thousand Twitter followers and huge numbers of Instagram followers and all that kind of good stuff. But the reality is for most of us, mo uh, having, you know, a dedicated following, you know, your tribe, you know, whatever that is, if it's a hundred, 500, a thousand people that are actually, you know, they're in the right demographic, they're in your industry, let's say, or they're in your target market, and they're willing to listen to you, that's huge, right? That's yep. huge because in an attention-starved world, that's all you're trying to do. And the more human you are, the more likely other people are to pay attention to you. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Well, this I knew this time was going to fly by, so we're already like uh, we're already, so uh, so I've got your handles up here. We're going to send everybody your. It's okay, obviously, if people want to connect to you on please do, LinkedIn. please yep. do. <clears throat> Love to connect. And then some people have already gotten your book, so that's a good thing. So nice. Shirley said she's going to curl up and read the LinkedIn book uh, tonight. I think, uh, and then. <laughs> I don't know if it's a curl up at night book, but hopefully hey, it's how, however you curl up, you curl up. Got so a nice we always, glass of wine, you know, it'll be great. Yeah. So we always, uh, we always have people curl up with a Starbucks card at the end based on their engagement. So Jackson's going to pick a winner while he's doing nice. that. We're going to, we're going to bring them back on um, with this polling question. So we always like to ask people 
are you a business influencer? As we talk about influence, so I put up the polling question here. I'm going to let everybody sort of jump in on it and, and sort of give their uh, two two cents on voting for themselves. We have half of you in. Go ahead, the rest of you click on there. That's good. Look at everybody is jumping on this. So um, this might be a record here. This is good. So 100% of the people uh, said yes. So how about success, that? 100% of the people. That's good because you're all business influencers and you all, or as Kate would say, y'all deserve to be get the influence that you deserve. Kate, you've got me on it, man. I love it. So, thank you, so <laughs> you say it more than me now. He says it. At, he says it at home. <laughs> I, I love it. You know, it just feels so welcoming. When I was just in Texas, everybody was saying it, and I was like, I felt like I was like right at home. So, thank you for that, Kate. It's like a blessing too. You're welcome. Yep. 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 <laughs> and then uh, David. So, uh, so everybody, what's one takeaway that you got? from David's uh, talk today, what's one thing you're going to do differently? So uh, Jackson, what came up for you as uh, David was talking? Uh, the biggest thing was, and I saw a lot of people saying this, is just the notifications. Yeah, I, I recently switched from uh, yeah, iPhone to Android, and I had all my notifications, like only the specific apps telling me what to do. So then I had to go re-download all my apps so nothing so i'm getting notifications from all of them still and i'm still figuring out which ones i need but recently i figured out i can mute for about like three to four hours and i can oh, mute yeah. my phone that's completely. Nice. so that's yep. what i've been doing during the webcast but now now that I, you said that during uh you know face-to-face -face interactions that's another big thing that's going to come up so i i just i start thinking about that more uh you know cognitively yeah, that's good. That's good. Lori said, less me, more them. I like that statement. So it's a good call. Kate, how about you? What's your takeaway? That's that's the one that I was going with, the less me, more them. We talk a lot each week about putting the social back in social media. And I love that you talk about the human connection. I think that's really great. It's what, it's what a lot of us are missing now. So I love that. Cool. Right on, right on, right on. So Jackson, who's our, oh, uh, Julie said, give insights uh, for outbound Yes, for outbound. And then uh, Shirley said, presentation of presenting. And then Glenn uh, chimed in, it's all about them. So really good themes here. So uh, so Jackson, uh, we have uh, next week, we have Ellie Deutsch uh, Moody from McDonald's. She is the head of social media. And she's going to talk about the fact that she runs, I think, uh, Kate, isn't it like 17 brands? And it's really just her and a bunch of contractors. So she's going to tell us behind the scenes of how she survives, lives, uh, is starting a family and does all that. So, and, yeah. uh, you know, cause yeah. <laughs> we got to see her at, uh, I finally got to meet her. You know, if you, uh, follow us for a couple of years, you know, that we've done other, uh, webcasts and such with her. So I finally got to meet her and it was, uh, just a line of other people waiting to talk to her and people from all over, you know, and everyone wanted to meet her. And yeah, I got up there. I was like, hi. She's like, you're Dean's son. I was like, yeah. Yeah, like she knew like right away. It was awesome. She's such a great speaker listening to her talk. We listen to all the things that, uh, you know, she's doing for McDonald's. Uh, that's why I put the McDonald's logo in there. And uh, yeah, they're, cha they're changing in a whole new way. It's ex it's oh, going to be yeah. exciting to hear about this one next week. Yeah, and Jackson, lots of influencer marketing they're doing right now. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. And then, yeah. Jackson, there's one question you didn't get answered that's on everybody's mind about McDonald's, though. What? What happened to the – what product is it that you like? Oh, the jalapeno McChicken. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, <laughs> yeah, I, di I didn't – so I was, like, the entire time – You can this... ask that next week all about yeah. the jalapeno McChicken. I was waiting in line to listen to her, and I'm like, ask about the McChicken, the jalapeno McChicken. Where did it go? Where did it go? I get up there and I panic. I was like, I love chicken nuggets. And I was like, dang it. Dang it. I was, and then then she she goes, me too. And I was like, awesome. Like, then we bonded over that. And I totally forgot about the jalapeno McChicken. So, <laughs> so maybe you can ask that on the program next week. So there you go. But uh, David, thank you so much for your time, uh, your partnership. And then Jackson, who's our winner this week? Uh, Kellen, uh, Ken Phillips. Sorry. Ken, Ken yeah. Phillips. Yes. Yeah, congratulations. I, now, Ken, remember, you know, especially with, with uh, David here, uh, you have to use something that you learned today to network with somebody, take that yep. person for a cup of coffee. And now you're going to use that Starbucks card. You're going to go networking works, you know, and you're going to really love connecting with that person. So <laughs> I love uh, it. That's, that's our agreement. That's what you have to do. And then report back to us how successful that fun cup of coffee was. And turn off your phone while you're there. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, turn off your notification. Oh, just turn off the whole thing. So he goes, he's on his way to Starbucks right now. So no problem. And then uh, Hank, I think you and I have a coffee date coming up. So that's awesome too. So all right, everybody from all of us here in Chicago at Social Jack headquarters. And David, thank you again so much for being on. Thank you. A lot of fun, a lot of fun. We're going to let, we'll tag you when we post this. It'll be on YouTube and Spreaker, Stitcher and all those other cool things Jackson talked about. And then, um, and then uh, I know I still don't get them all. And then uh, and then we will see everybody online networking and offline networking with their notifications off. So thanks, everybody. Cool. And we'll see you all real soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.